Welcome to King of Kings. It's great to be in the house of the Lord together uh, in, you know, for maybe two and some years, I haven't seen this house this full. It's great that, that we have this, that we can come together as God's people. I think it's something to celebrate that and, and all the nations that have joined us today here in the sanctuary and also online. We have uh, 24 countries joining us online, I hear. Sorry, 25 countries, maybe about the same amount as here. I, I would assume that, that there's people from Australia, Austria, Brazil, Canada, Colombia, Finland, yeah, why? Yeah, that's good. I'm from Finland. France, Germany, Guatemala, India, Indonesia, Israel. Yay. That should get the biggest yay. Kenya, Malta, Netherlands, Norway, Philippines, Singapore, Slovakia, South Africa, Sweden, Thailand, United Kingdom, United States, and, and Switzerland. They're at the... Last but not the least. Thanks, Paul, for a wonderful reading of the Torah portion. God's word is, I just said to Paul that you've got the best portion of, of you can just speak out God's word and it won't go wrong. You know, it's awesome. I'm, I'm talking here. I'm trying to put as much God's word in my message today as I could. And uh, it will be a lot. Well. I, I know that there is uh, at least two groups here. Today there is a group from uh, New Hope Assembly of God in Taylor, Michigan with Pastor Philip and Bev. Are you somewhere here? I can't see where you are, but somewhere you are here. Second row, okay, God bless. And also from Grace Chapel, Denver, Colorado, Pastor Charles, you're somewhere, I believe there. You, I saw a big group there. Yeah, I can barely see anything here, but yeah. Well, Pastor Chad sent his greetings. He's traveling for the ministry in USA at the moment. And uh, hello, Pastor Chad. We can do it without you here, but not without God. And uh, I hope we won't fail. Anyways, I'm referring to myself only here. And uh, yeah. Happy Mother's Day to mothers. How many mothers do we have here today? You ladies are the best. You know, you go through so much and, and keep on contributing, keep on giving, giving and giving, and uh, where you find your strength, I don't know, but, but I think you are angels. How many would agree with that? It's not a biblical statement, but, but I feel like that that you are like angels. I have an angel at home. Uh, Ulla, my wife, is a mother of four, and also Seiya. Greetings to you, Seiya and Ulla, to Finland. They're both in Finland. I'm flying tomorrow to Finland to be with them. Well, like, um, who was it in the beginning? Ray said that Israel has these wonderful holidays. It's the best time to come to Israel in the springtime because we have so many holidays, so many celebrations, one after another. And we are here now in between Pesach, the Passover, 
and uh, Shavuot, the Pentecost, we are 22 days from um, Pesach, 28 days towards Shavuot, and it's exciting time. We are waiting for a great celebration of Shavuot, and while we are celebrating, counting the Omer on twen day 22, which is 50 days in between these feasts, we have a break from the feast, except we had that wonderful day of celebrating Israel's independency on last Thursday. And uh, you can see from the pictures here, you missed a great celebration. We had amazing Brazilian barbecue and, uh, and about 150 participants. I don't think I ever have seen so many people in that picnic uh, before. It's an annual thing. If you come during the Independence Day, that's something for sure to partake. That's it for the announcement. I think I had more announcements than the announcements themselves. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know, maybe we should fix this, but somehow. I work in the media, it's my department to fix this. <laughs> yeah, you can just blame me. I can take it. Well, let's bow our heads to pray for the Word of God to be clear. Father, we um, know that you have something many things in your heart today for all of us to tell. We pray that we would have hearing ears and, and that our minds and hearts would be ready to receive from you, from your Holy Spirit, things that change us, things that make us like you, Yeshua. We say our commitment, Lord God, is to become like you. And your word does that change in our lives. And we pray that it would sink into our hearts, into our minds, Lord God, in a lasting way that makes difference in our lives and lives of, of those that are around us and, and that we ministered. In Yeshua's name we pray, amen. Amen. So, I gave a uh, kind of little bit misleading title for the sermon. It's a bad start, right? But it's a good start, I tell you, because... The title is Saved by Grace. And it's really, I would say, so valuable thing that anything we speak of, anything we share, we should always remember that, that humble attitude that we are saved by grace. And uh, second title I would say here is Bearing Much Fruit. And um, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this very known verse, we are not saved by works, but by God's grace. It is a gift of God. I do honor that. Even though I'm going to speak about works pretty much today, I do honor that word that we are saved by God's grace. It is the work of God that brought us salvation. There was a work that brought that to us. It is his work that saved us. In Genesis 15 and 6, it says, Abraham was justified, called righteous by his faith. He believed and obeyed God and had faith in him. It is his, our God's work, 
that will save us. Not our own works, what we did and what he's going to do for us and in us. That's the saving part that it's his work, what he's going to do in and for us. Well, the works topic is really something that I struggle with. Because, see, I was brought up in a, um, I'm 57 years old, so I'm an older generation. You can see my gray hair here that testifies of that. I was brought up by this kind of a mindset that I am appreciated by what I do, by my works, by my performance, by my parents. And I learned to live like that, to, to please my parents, to please others, to to do these works, to be a hard worker. And uh, those that work with me uh, can testify that I work, at least I used to work too much. Yeah. Yeah, hard worker. That comes with a, a burden, that mindset. When you are a hard worker, the mindset is that I appreciate other hard workers and those that um, are slackers or are lazy, I tend to look down on them. And um, I do apologize for that. It's a sin. It's something that is within me that I was raised up with that mindset and, and I'm working on this thing. but I. Um, also married a, a hard worker, my wife, Ulla. She was brought up in a countryside in Finland in a very similar dy dynamic that she was working hard as well from the very early age. And uh, hello, Ulla, my sweetheart. You're very sweet and hardworking still today. <laughs> and we have to work together about this. Well, anyways, she realized this earlier, earlier than I, and about five years back, I realized in a severe way that I was working too hard. And uh, there was an elders meeting one morning that I joined. I'm, by the way, a tent maker as well. I have a company while I work here at the King of Kings. And uh, there was an elders meeting one morning, and uh, my wife had said, for long that I need to take a break from ministry and from work in general. And uh, I remember that morning, it was a weird morning. I, we had, I think, four or five pastors gathered together for Tuesday morning prayer at eight o'clock. And during that meeting, uh, my phone kept on ringing, text messages kept on coming. And it was constant. I couldn't even concentrate in the meeting because it was just so much happening. And at the end of the meeting, there were three people waiting for me outside the door. And in that short period when we we're supposed to move from this pastoral meeting into our staff prayer meeting, I had five minutes to deal with those three people until we started the prayer meeting upstairs here on the 21st floor in the prayer tower and uh, something clicked on me when I realized that it's, this is not life, it's not supposed to be like this. This is way too much 
The other pastors didn't have one phone call during the meeting. They had no one waiting for them. I don't know whether they got text messages. They probably didn't care about their phone even. It's good, huh? Yeah, that's, I think that's how it's supposed to be at 8 o'clock in the morning. But uh, I, as a result, I told my wife that morning in the prayer meeting that you are, you're right. I need to take a break. I need to take a longer break to break this. I was running from crisis to crisis, just trying to fix crisis all day long. They were uh, both ministry issues and business issues, and it, it was way too much. And, uh, and I agreed with her, and we asked actually the uh, ministry leaders here if I can take a sabbatical year, a full year from the ministry and I put people place in my business to take care of my business. I had two phones. I said there was a ministry phone and business phone. I gave one phone to one person, the other phone to the other person, got a new number and said, you are going to answer these calls from now on. I'm not answering. And if there's something you want to know from me that is absolutely necessary, you send me a message. Don't call me, send me a message. I will answer at some point. And, uh, and first, it, Felt so relaxed, you know, I was like, wow, not, none of that pressure left anymore. I'm, I'm like, uh, I have a life already. And I went to Finland, I, I spent, I think, the first three months in Finland with, with my wife. And, uh, and after a couple of weeks, this thing hit me that I felt like something is missing. I've lost something. I, I didn't know what to do. I, I was like clueless. I had devotional times in the morning, but I was clueless. Like, what can I do? And it took some, maybe a month and a half for me to be in this clueless situation. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with this time. I don't know how to live anymore because Decades I had lived one way, working hard, and now I had nothing to do. And uh, just maybe one and a half months down the line, um, by the way, Pastor Chad is taking his sabbatical three months, starting from, I think, June, somewhere in June onwards. It's a great time, I can tell. A few things I learned during the sabbatical. Uh, first, the biggest thing was that I am accepted by God, by his love for me as his son, and not by what I do for him. Just being his son. It's amazing. I don't have to do something to be accepted. I don't find my identity anymore in working hard, but in belonging. Secondly, the whole year made my priorities right. I started to do God's things, God's work, rather than my own works, starting to value his values, what he values.
finding what pleases him, not what pleases other people. And thirdly, of course, rest. There was a lot of rest and <laughs> maybe too much rest. But what it, ha what, what it brought is restoration of all kinds of things like health in general, like good sleeping habits, good. You, you understand what, what it can bring when you start resting instead of working hard. You know, that's, that's like you're, you're finding life through that. And during that year, one of the things that I was pondering is, uh, what are the things that I'm doing that are his works? What are the things that please him, things that are off of him that I do? And I, I got the desire during the year to do more of his will in my life rather than what seems natural, what seems uh, peop people demand of me or ask of me. John 15, seven to eight says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will give unto you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Don't we all, all want to bear fruit that is lasting fruit, that is eternal fruit, that is something that changes people to God's image more and more? Don't we want to have fruit that tastes good afterwards, after we've done something that there's a good aftertaste? And... Um, Doing God's work. We went through, uh, I think five years ago here at King of Kings, a series by a book called Experiencing God. And there was a discovery that, that changed me quite a bit. And uh, first of all, it, it had to do that God is at work around us all the time. He has something going on around you all the time. Maybe not necessarily something that you are aware of, but he's got a lot of stuff going on in this world all the time around you. And he's inviting us to join him in his work. Many times we build the ministries and we pray God would, God would join our ministry, our work. He would do something for us. We have a crisis or whatever that he would do something for us. And, and, uh, he wants us to join his works, his ministry. And, and this one sentence struck me quite a bit. And it was that only God can, initi can initiate his works. Only God can initiate his works. We can initiate our works, but only he can initiate his works. Last week, Pastor Chad said that obedience is God's love language. Um, when it comes to me and my wife, obedience is not necessarily the
the love language that I want to receive from my wife. It's not very high. Okay, I, I think it's good, but for God, he experiences love from us by obedience. That's the first thing. There might be other important things for him as well, but that's the first thing. It says that in his word. So what out of what I'm doing is God initiated? What am I doing that is clearly from him? Do I have those? Do you have those? Do I do things that please God or things that please man? Sometimes they're the same, I admit. Do I make the things he asks me to do the most important of what I do? How high do they rank in my, my schedule in, in um, things that I feel that are important and necessary? Well, let's look at how do we know what is God's work in our lives? What is it that he wants of us? So number one, God's word tells us what he wants from us. It's very important. If you feel like, I don't know what God wants from me, start with his word. Go through deep in his word and you will find what he wants from you. You know, he speaks very clearly. There's a few, uh, few scriptures here I want to read. 1 Galatians 6, 9 through 10. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those that are of the household of faith. Many people ask me, and this is an American thing, I think, maybe an English thing, that how are you doing? And I created this... Uh, sentence, I say, I'm doing the good doing. You know what is the good doing? It's here in the scripture. Do good to everyone, especially those that are of the household of faith. Psalms 37, 7 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Matthew 5, 16 says, in the same way, let your, shine before, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua for good works, which God has prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily. Heartily, heartily. I read it first time, heartily. It's a word in English. <laughs> As for the Lord and not for men. Second Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. James 1.27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction 
and to keep himself unspotted from the world. But it is not this way among you, but whosoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave for all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So first, read the word of God. There's a lot more to this than what I read, but there is direction for you. You will find the will of God for you in his word. Secondly, use Holy Spirit's gifts and call to do his work. When you join with the Holy Spirit, there is much greater chance that you are doing God's work than if you go not even intentionally trying to walk in the spirit. First Corinthians 12, 8, 10, 8 to 10 says, it talks about the use of these gifts, which are message of wisdom, message of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Ephesians 4, 7 through 13 talks about the use of the office the Messiah himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Messiah, the Kuf HaMashiach, may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of the Messiah. Romans 12, 3 to 8 says that we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if, it's, if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Amen. Third thing here is that the love of Yeshua compels in our hearts to do certain things. John 15, 10 through 17 says this. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that may, my joy may be in you and that you, your joy may be complete. There's a joy in keeping the commandments. My commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his own life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does, does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, 
that your fruit will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Number four, the Holy Spirit will guide you. He will guide you. That's his job. He will guide you. John 16, 13 through 15 says, But when he, the Holy Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you to all the truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me and what he will make known to you. So in short, how do we hear God? How do we know his will? First, his word has his will for you. Read it. Secondly, gifts and positions are cooperation. You're working with the Holy Spirit in cooperation, doing his works. Number three, Yeshua, his love compels, even forces us to do something. He puts in your heart something to do, and, and you feel like, I have to do this. And when you feel that, have that feeling that this is something that is of the Lord. Just go and do it. It's highly likely from him. Number four, Holy Spirit will guide you in all these steps. And all these things are his works in us. By grace we are saved by what he did. For us, in other words, by his works, we are saved. Have you ever thought about that? That he did works to save us. By faith in him, we are proclaimed righteous. The righteousness of God is established in us by faith. We are to rehearse our faith through obedience and true works. His works in us are proof that we have faith in God. James 2, 14 to 7 says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also by faith itself, if it does not have works, that faith is dead. Our works in the spirit are his works. Outcome of our obedience to him, it's like he's doing something and we're just a vessel in the process he's using us to do his work. What, what is our reward then for doing his works? If we do his works, what, what is our reward? 
I had this situation uh, last week. It's quite amazing. Uh, about 20 years ago, 25 maybe years ago, I, um, how many of you like good stories? It has to be maturity or I won't tell it. Uh, God's body is not a democracy, I know. I'm not saying that, don't take me wrong. But uh, about 25 years ago, I had a really ugly car, okay? I won't say the uh, mark and model or make and name because I don't want to mock any certain brand here. But uh, it, it wasn't really nice car and it was run, it was at the end of the road. But there at, in Finland at our church's parking lot, I had an experience with God where I felt like I'm not fully giving my everything to him. And in that parking lot, first my wallet got saved. It didn't got saved when I was baptized one day. I left my wallet in the closet while I went being baptized. It didn't get baptized, only I got baptized. I got saved. My wallet didn't get saved. It didn't do the things of God. It did the things of me. I was trying to do the things of God, but it didn't work out. Anyways, at that parking lot, I also gave my car to the Lord. And I said, Lord, whatever you want to do with my car, it's up to you. Whoever you send my way asking for a ride, asking for a car, I'm available. You know, when you do commitments like that, when you do prayers like that, heaven's ears and eyes are open. We'll do a test with this guy. Yeah, or this lady. Have you tried that? You will get tested, I'm sure. Anyway, you will probably want to know what happened. It only took a week or two weeks. I don't remember. It's so long time ago when it was r really raining. There was snow on the ground and it was raining on top of it. And um, I've told this story before, but uh, there was a, a drunk guy laying on the ground pushing his way through with his uh, hand like this, one step at a time. And, you know, I felt like God was saying, go and get that guy. Get him where he wants to go. I knew where he was going because he was very close to a uh, center that receives uh, people with problems of alcoholism that was actually next to our church. So while our congregants were looking at me, what I'm doing, I went and I picked that up guy to that ugly car. I'm glad it wasn't a Mercedes or something. I don't know what I would have thought had I had a Mercedes, but um, I hope I would have been obedient. But anyway, I took the guy, I drove him, just drove him there. And, uh, and you know what? God started asking car-related favors from me over and over again. And he's even doing it today. Many of you here are using my cars for things you are doing here at the service. I'm not taking credit of this. I'm just saying that God 
he's asking you to, to make me a blessing to you. I don't know what, how that works, but, but anyways, but this is not the point. The point is what happened last week. You know, I feel like uh, what you sow is what you reap, right? And, and many times it comes back in different forms. It doesn't comes, come back exactly as you sow. I know I, I have uh, 10 citrus trees on my balcony. I'm expecting to get exact things out of them. But in God's world, it's different. Surprise, surprise. But last week, something amazing happened where my car broke down. It's amazing. It broke down. The gear, gears wouldn't work. And, and my brother Sam here, I spoke to him, and he has a, a friend. And we booked a time for a mechanic to, to fix it. And, you know, it's going to be expensive. The reverse wouldn't go on. And uh, strange noises came from the gearbox. You can't believe it. Anyway, um, one morning last week, I was driving the car to the garage. I had an appointment at 10 o'clock. And as, as I was driving, it was like quarter to 10. And uh, I stopped. stopped um, no, before I stopped, I had this thought that, hey, God can actually fix this car. It's a, somehow a brilliant idea. God can fix this car. I don't have to pay anything. Amazing idea. And uh, I stopped at the traffic light. I did a very short prayer. God, I know you are able to fix this car. I praise you. You can do it. Amen. I stopped at the traffic light. And wow, that gear box was like, I, you know, there is, I use a manual gear. It went better than ever before in my use. Everything was in their place and there was nothing wrong in the car. God healed the car instantly. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So, Sowing and reaping, you get it? it it's like, uh, you know, so many times I've given the car for others used and, and you know what? Maybe I shouldn't say this, but it never comes back looking better. <laughs> and in Israel, have you looked at the cars in Israel? <laughs> yeah, my car, all my cars look like that, except my wife's car. I try to keep it nice. It's an older car, never mind. But anyway, so um, I see I have six minutes. Is that true? Maybe not. So my car got fixed by God. How many have had that experience? There were some hands. Okay, he's into this stuff. Pray when you have a problem with your car. Pray when you have any other problem. Give him a chance. He deserves it. Matthew 19, 29 says, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters 
of or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Matthew 6:33 says, but seek first kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Malachi 3:10 says, bring the full tide into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me into the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. I'm in that place today where I feel like he's blessed me so much. I have no more need. Lord, you can just take a break for a week or so. I need you, but the stuff I don't need so much right now. Nobody laughs. Never mind. <laughs> uh, you know, Finns do have a weird kind of a style of jokes. Second Corinthians 9, 6 says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Our works are rewarded for a reason. Revelation 22, 12 says, Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render every man according to what he has done. Psalm 62, 16 says, And loving kindness is yours, O Lord, for you, you recompense a man according to his work. 1 Corinthians 3.14 says, If any man's work which he has built on, it remains, he will receive a reward. Proverbs 22.4 says, The reward of humility and fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. You know, in Israel, they use Torah scrolls. You know, they, that's the form of Bible. So I like to do the same, open my Torah scroll here. If you wonder, Luke 6.35 says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Philemon 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began the good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Yeshua. It's really these works that he compels us to do are his works. They are about him. <laughs> And if someone deserves thanks and praise for something that is coming out, like this car situation or whatever I'm doing, it's him for his work. Now, one more thing that I want to talk about is, is how sometimes His works may be very different 
than what we think they are. What he's doing now may look something, but it might be different. I had a dream. There's another story here. There, you had the maturity of hands for the stories. Uh, I had a dream about Cambodia. This was 25 years ago. And it was weird. I woke up out of the blue in the middle of the night and I felt like the Lord was awaking me and said, tomorrow morning, I want, to, want you to send all your money in your bank account to this person in Cambodia and go and write his name down. I went and wrote his name down and to Cambodia, I went back to, to bed and you know, next morning I wake up, wow, that was weird. That was a weird dream. I woke up to write the day, name down, so I had that. And as I was driving to work that morning, I was puzzled. This is the puzzle series. Uh, I was puzzled by this um, dream. And suddenly the same voice says, turn on your radio. I turned on the radio. And there was one sentence. Well, you can trust these words I say. And I turned the radio off. I was like, okay, I think you got me, Lord. I, now I believe it was you. And then, you know, those days, if you know Cambodia 25 years ago, I don't think there was one missionary in Cambodia. Okay, it was a closed country. And uh, so how do you send your monies to bank? to Cambodia when there is really not even a bank there to send them to, or any system that you can communicate with financially. And uh, I prayed about it and I felt peace by sending the money to my um, relative. Um, my uncle Seppo was working in mission field next to the border in Thailand of Cambodia. And I, I said that, here's the name. I feel like the Lord wanted me to send these funds to Cambodia. He sent me a letter back. I sent the money to him, sent me a letter back saying that the name doesn't make any sense to me. But I gave your monies to a uh, food program that is feeding Cambodian refugees that come to the other side, to Thailand. And I was okay. It was great use for the money, right? And, but something in me started bothering me. Like, why this specific name? And for about a month, I started asking God, what was really going on? What, could you tell me a little bit more on what's going on here? Because I felt like disconnect. It wasn't like, it was so sharp and straight for the beginning, but not so sharp at the end. And uh, for a month I kept on asking that. I remember I went once to a rehearsal of our, of our band and as I opened the door, it was the same voice that talked about the man in Cambodia who I should send monies to the same voice 
that said, open up your radio, the same voice said suddenly, out of the blue to me, you know what? You were thinking that you are doing something great for me, but I'm actually doing something in you, in me. And the same voice said, I do nothing. People are dying for hunger. I don't care. I don't have a heart for them. I was so convicted. Connected. All dots connected. Again, God can do that for you. God is at work in our lives to make us more like Yeshua, to make us like him, a beautiful and spotless bride for himself. My prayer has been every day, every morning, that I could help someone, one person every day, every morning to help one, just one person, be that person to someone every day. This is where I find meaning for life every day. When I go to bed in the evening, if I haven't done something for one person that day, I feel like that day wasn't spent well. Encourage someone, lighten someone's load, feed someone, serve someone, be a servant, be a friend to someone who has none. Be on lookout always for those sitting or standing alone, feed my sheep. I'm so happy so many are serving at our Manna Kitchen Center here, Food Kitchen, maybe you've been there. Together with my wife, we kind of started that, that ministry and it was really from this heart that we already had, that we had the desire to, to say yes, although it was very difficult at the time. Be Yeshua to one person every day, but most importantly, join God in his works. Make sure you're doing what he has called you to do and make that the number one thing. I feel like here today, God wants to move many of us from being takers into givers. You've enjoyed so much the taking part, enjoying the blessings from God, but the fruit, the works, are not as much in the giving side as the symbol of Yeshua is to be a giver. And uh, There's thousands of takers out there, and they have no limits. But you, I say you, all of you, you are a giver. If you follow Yeshua, you are a giver. You're giving from what he's given you. Don't let the takers take away your precious call or change your identity as a giver. God's call in your life 
is a giver. Today, as it's Mother's Day, mothers are amazing givers. They have that, you know, in their DNA. When they get a child to hold, they are devoted to give after that. They're just giving and giving and giving, and it's hard. I respect every mother here. Mothers should have more respect. So there are, and there will be those that abuse your goodness, kindness, and, and giving. But we don't work for their thanks as a reward. Our reward is found in the eyes of the Master Yeshua. And he, when he says, well done, good and faithful servant, that's where our reward is. Let's bow our heads together for a prayer. If you feel like God is calling you today to move from taker or keeper to that side of giver to the other side more. I want you to raise your hand. Father, as, as we are here, your people, your children, we feel the call, Lord God, in our lives to, to be like you, to be a giver, to give life, to speak words of life, to speak words of healing, words of restoration, those words that will bring healing to others, Lord God. Give us that grace that we would be known all around us as generous givers who give, receive from you, and just give it away freely. Freely receive, freely give. Help us to become like that. Help us, help me, Lord God, to become more like that in my life so that you would receive glory, that your, you would have in your face a smiling face. He got that. He's copying me. He's being like me. May that happen in my life, I pray, in Yeshua's name. Amen. God bless you.